So we've been looking at Acts chapter 27, and the Apostle Paul has a, a genuine desire to go and preach the gospel to those in Rome. God has delayed uh, Paul's trip to Rome because it's his last stop. It's his last stop before heaven. And so God had other things that He wanted the Apostle Paul to accomplish. And isn't it wonderful that God's plans are better than our plans? Right? He knows exactly what's coming. He knows where we fit. And one of the, the best things in the world as a Christian, well, really, just as a human being, and then even better as a Christian, is to know when you're in your right place, when you're doing what you're supposed to do. Um, for myself, I, I spoke at the youth rally in Connecticut, I guess it's week before last. And, you know, I, I talk to the young people probably more than I talk to the rest of you while I'm preaching. And one of the things that I, I, I always try to communicate to the kids is your best life, your best life now. But your, your best, that's a Joel Osteen book for those of you who don't know. Um, focus, Jim. <laughs> There's a rabbit trail about to happen right there, but we're coming back. Um, that the best life you guys can ever have is serving God. Now, that might be as a preacher. It might be as an assistant pastor, a youth director, a missionary. It might be as a school teacher, a plumber, a factory worker, a doctor, a housewife. But regardless of what your vocation is, your primary vocation, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is to be a Christian. And I, I wish you guys could understand, number one, how bad it is to mess up your life out in the world, the, the, just the damage, the horrible damage that does. But number two, just how fantastic it is to have a life where you serve God. Um, I told the kids in Connecticut, you guys, you wouldn't believe how great my life is. And I know that many of you just feel the same way. You're doing what God wants you to do, and you're doing what God created you to do, and life is fantastic. I love it that we live in a country where, for the most part, whatever you love to do, you can do that. You know, other places you just scratch your existence for that day, all day, but we don't have to worry about that in America, at least yet, right? Isn't that wonderful? So the fact that we can do that here in the United States, you young people, find something that you absolutely love to do, check with the Lord, make sure it fits with His plan for your life, and then give everything you have to that. And that honors the Lord. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with thy might. Do all things as unto the Lord, not unto men. Amen? Just do it all. Just give yourself completely to that. And it's fantastic. So for myself, I like to talk. So I get to do that for a living. You know, you have weightlifters. My jaws are like a pit bull, man. These are so strong from talking so much. I could, you know, I could do that whole thing. I love what I get to do. I love to study. I love to read. And I love to communicate God's word. When I was selling windows and siding, I was teaching people. I was sitting in my office in the window store reading Francis Schaeffer and studying doctrine to teach a Sunday school class. That's what God made me to do. Many of you are the same way. You're doing exactly what God made you to do. And there's nothing better than fulfilling God's plan for your life. The hard thing is matching up your plan with God's timing. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul, his number one goal in life was to go and preach the gospel in Rome. But God said, not yet, not yet. And when it was his time to go, Satan started fighting against that. Because Satan sure did not want the gospel to be preached in Rome. But God is greater than Satan. Amen? 
We don't believe in a duality of good and evil and there's this great battle between good and evil in the universe. No, there's God and then there's everything else. And our God is in control. He's in charge. He accomplishes His purposes. But He accomplishes those purposes through us and He was using the life of the Apostle Paul here to accomplish that. Now, we're not going to take the time to read the whole chapter again. We've done that a couple of times. But let's start in verse... Um, why don't we start in verse 9? Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. So when it's saying the fast was already passed, there was a time on the calendar that you didn't want to sail in that water in those oceans after that period of time. So the weather fooled them. They thought that it was unseasonably warm and they were going to be able to accomplish it. Verse 10 so he admonished them at the end of verse 9, And he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. So here's what happened. The centurion trusted the professionals more than the man of God. He trusted the professionals more than the man of God. And because the haven, and you'll notice what happens, every time you make a bad decision, Satan confirms it. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence. And so the majority said, let's go. And again, we know the majority is almost always wrong. Amen? The majority is almost always wrong. It was not commodious to winter in. The more part advised to depart thence also. If by any means they might attain to Phoenicia and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete and lieth toward the south and northwest. So it's on an island. So it's on that side, points that direction. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which, when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship. So what they did, they were afraid the ship was going to break up. So they put ropes or chains underneath the whole ship, all the way under to try and hold it together. That's how bad the, the storm was. Look at um, middle of verse 17, And fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. So every bit of weight that's coming down on that ship could help to sink it. So they started throwing stuff overboard. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Now it's getting serious. The things they need, they're throwing overboard. Then look at verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. That's a bad place to be. You get into a place in life where you're seeing no hope that we're going to survive this thing. Verse 21, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete. I love it. Here's the apostle. And we preachers love to say this sometimes. I told you so. That's exactly what's happening here. You should have listened to me. Now, of course, I don't have apostolic authority. The Apostle Paul did. He stood up and said, you should have listened. Look at what he says. And not, middle of verse 21, and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. 
And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Now, here's what happened. This is, I love this. It said there's no hope in the world. I think the first or second sermon I ever preached here before I was pastor, I preached this text. And the first point right here in verse 21, there's hope in a Christian that'll take a stand. In the middle of the trouble, they're hopeless. The apostle Paul stood up and he said, he gave them God's message. Not only is there hope in a Christian that'll take a stand, there's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the angel of the Lord is Jesus. Jesus Christ stood by him in the storm. Folks, can I tell you something? There really is. There's hope in a Christian that'll take a stand. You know the greatest thing in our culture that can happen? Hey, you young people look up here. I see some of you zoning out a little bit. You stayed up too late playing Xbox. I can see it. It's all over you. Was it Xbox? No? No? PS4. All right. I preach against PS4. Xbox is the... You guys focus in here for a second. Here we go. I'm, I'm the right one to tell the kids to focus, right? Everything is better in the culture when Christians represent their Lord. Now, we can't change the wicked culture, but we can influence people in the culture. There's hope in a Christian that will take a stand. There's hope in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that if you're saved, Jesus Christ is with you, He's in you, and you're in Him? He's with you every step of the way. And then there's hope in the changeless Word of God. Look at what it says. Um, verse 21, or verse 24, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that stand with thee. Where, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. When, when you're in trouble, you can rely on the Word of God. Isn't it wonderful when you're in trouble that you can go to the Bible and find your problem in it and the answer for it? But I want you to notice something else. Young people, this is such a cool thing. If you're following a loser, you're going to go where the loser's going. Isn't that brilliant logic? All right, let me say this again. You guys might want to write this down. Tattoo it to your forehead. If you're following a loser, you're going to go where the loser's going. Wouldn't it be better to follow the Lord and God's people? It'll help you so much. What's wild... It's so hard for you kids to see it, but the really cool kids, you know, they're probably going to jail. <laughs> it's, it's just the truth. It's so much better to follow God's people and to be with God's people. And look at what it says in verse 24, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Anyone else in the storm would have died. If Paul and Luke hadn't been on that ship, Luke's the one writing it. He's, keep, he's doing the record of it. If Paul and Luke hadn't been on that ship, everybody would have died. Right? Because they would have done, made all the wrong choices. Paul is instructing the professionals. Folks, we as Christians, we have input into this world that the world doesn't have. And you young people, if you stay with God's people, your life will be so much better. And you old folks too, if you stay with God's people, life will be so much better. 
It's just such a blessing. All right, so that's not even my sermon. That's an old sermon. Let's get to what I want to address today. Those of us who have ever gone through a storm, sometimes it feels like we're just not going to make it. You guys ever see mountain, what's it called? Mountain men? There's this one guy on mountain men. He's in Alaska. His name's Tom. And he always says, I don't think we're going to make it. We're not going to make it. If the weather doesn't change, we're not going to make it. How many of you have seen him? You know what I'm talking about? He always says that. Move to Florida. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's, it's unbelievable. We're not going to. But, you know, sometimes we all get in a bad spot and it just seems like we're not going to make it through. We've come through where the Apostle Paul stood up and told them they would have the victory, but there were still some steps to take after they learned the truth. So when you're in the trouble and you finally turn your attitude and turn your perspective to the Lord and you find out that He is in charge, He's with you, He's going to help you, then there are some practical steps that we see in the text that we need to make. We've made it through the storm, now we have to make it to shore. So now, how to make it to shore. In order to make it to shore, first of all, there are some things that you have to let go of. There are some things that you have to let go of. The first thing you need to let go of is your fear. Look at what it says in verse 24. So this is the angel of God says this, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that God saved you for a purpose? How many of you believe that? God saved you for a purpose. That means that you are indestructible until God has accomplished His purpose in you. Does the Bible say that? Look at, keep your place in Acts, but go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse 6. Being, I love that second word. I'll, I'll let you all get there. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. The second word, let's say it really loud. Ready? Being confident. confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is going to finish his work in you and through you and with you. He has a plan and as long as you are linked up with God's plan, everything's going to be okay. It doesn't mean that you'll never be trouble in your life. The whole point is that you're in a storm. But what it means is that the Lord is with you and He's going to help you through it. And like we said a couple of weeks ago, you can't fear the storm and God at the same time. You're either going to fear God or you're going to fear the storm. If you fear God, the storm's nothing. Because Jesus Christ can create the storm. He can take it away. He can calm the storm. He can do all of it. So the first thing you need to let go of is the fear of the storm. In, in verse 27, go back to Acts 27, and look at verse 27. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to the same country, and sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. So what they're doing is they're, they're seeing that they're getting close to land. They're getting close to land. It's two confirmations that the storm's almost over, the battle's almost over. Do you know that God's not asking you for blind obedience? He's asking you to have night vision. He doesn't want you to have blind faith 
But he wants you to believe in him and in the evidence that he gives you all around you. How many of you have ever been in a trouble and you look around and God has taken care of it? I'll give you an example. Um, this isn't trouble. This is just decisions that we make. You know, Laura and I were looking for a house for, you know, several years. And we almost pulled the trigger on a couple of different things. And Laura had been praying for some specific things in our new house. These other houses didn't have those things. But, you know, you start thinking your wanter's just too much or whatever. And we waited and waited and those other things fell through. I say we waited. They didn't happen. We waited because we had to wait. And now we're in a house that's exactly what we wanted and better than any of those others that we were looking at. Now, that's silly stuff, right? You're saying, I'm in so much trouble and you're talking about your house. It's just so many times in our lives, I don't know about you guys, but decisions that I wanted to make where I'm going this direction and I know this is what I'm supposed to do and God puts the brakes on that. And then I look over here and everything is exactly the way God wanted it. And it was so much better than I could have ever done. Have you ever, have you ever done that? There was a great theologian and songwriter that wrote a song about that. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Now, Garth Brooks, he looks like a thumb. Yes, he does. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. And he's not a theologian. But there are some, it is a good thing sometimes that God didn't answer our prayers the way that we wanted him to. Amen? It's so true. And here they are. They're close to the shore. They know that they're about to make it. But look at the next verse. Look at verse 29. So they've been praying for land. They've been trying to see land. Then less fearing, then fearing, lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. So remember, it's dark. It, even in the middle of the day, it's dark. They can't see because of the storm. They've been praying for land. Now land is there. They're getting what they've been asking for. Now they're afraid what they asked for is going to kill them. You can't fear God in a storm at the same time. You can't fear God and you can't fear God's answer to your prayer. When God gives you the answer to your prayer, God will only do for us that which is good for us. They didn't know that, but Paul knew it. So they needed to be able to trust God in the dark. So things to let go of. You need to let go of your fear. Then you need to let go of, of human answers or human solutions. Verse 30. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. You've got to stay in the ship. You've got to stay with the plan of God. You've got to stay with the man of God or you're going to die. So here's some human solutions. And look, at it's a deceitful solution under color as though they would have cast out anchors. They were going to the lifeboat. They were going to take the boat, leave everybody else behind. But what Paul knew is if they did that, they were going to die. They were going to die. Do you know the world gives you solutions? You're having trouble in your marriage and somebody at work says, well, I'll tell you what I'd tell them. Really? Is that really going to help the situation? Well, I'll tell you what I'd tell her. Really? That's going to, that's going to help. Tell me if you've ever experienced that. Seriously. You've experienced that. That's not going to help. You need to let go of human solutions to your problem and trust God. The human solution for these guys, get out of the boat, get in the lifeboat, but they would have died. God had given the Apostle Paul direction for them. You need to let go of human solutions. There are two groups of people that you'll always come across. Some people are moving toward Christ-likeness and some people are moving away from Christ-likeness. Which people do you think that you ought to go with? 
the people that are moving toward Christ-likeness because that is always the best solution. Things to let go of. Fear, human solutions, and then things, things. Sometimes we need to let go of some things. Look at verse 18. And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. All right? Then look at the third day. We cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. So here you have the Apostle Paul helping them lighten the ship. Do you know that often there are, there's a difference between weight or weights and sin? There's a difference between weights and sin. When I used to run track, ran cross country, I don't know if they still do it. Do you guys still use ankle weights? You ever do that? We'd put, we'd put weights, they'd, you'd wrap them around your ankles. That's why they were called ankle weights. Do you see how that works? And so you'd run with those ankle weights, then you'd take them off and you could run faster when you took them off. Look, keep your place in Acts. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Isn't it amazing the stuff you guys learn at church? Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, that's the testimony of those in Hebrews chapter 11. So that's the cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So if you're going to run your race, you need to set aside some of those weights, and the sin. So how many of you recognize God doesn't want you to sin? How many of you knew that, right? And so if you're going to accomplish what God wants you to in life, you've got to set aside the sin and the sin that besets you. you, know, you we, we have heard that, the, a besetting sin. What is your besetting sin? That's a sin that's unique to you. Now, all of us have things like that. There's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man, is what the Bible says. But your besetting sin, that's just that struggle that you have over and over again. And I don't have to explain it. We all know there's you know, things in our lives that we just struggle with, a particular thing that, that we struggle with. You've got to set that aside to run the race God wants you to run. But not only that, but weights. What are the weights? Weights are things that are not necessarily bad, but are stopping you from doing what God wants you to do. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Um, hunting. I told Dalton Robertson one time, I, I think I'd like to get into hunting sometime. He said, well, the first thing you've got to do is stop say hunting. It's hunting. <laughs> I guess that means I'm not a hunter. But hunting. It's cool to see, look around here at hunters that are in this room that could be out in their blind right now, but they've chosen to be at church. There's absolutely nothing wrong with missing a Sunday to go hunting. I know if, if, if you're a legalist, you know, oh, no, if, if I miss, I don't go, I'm going to go to hell. No, there's nothing wrong with missing a service to do something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it gets in the way of your serving God and your faithfulness to God's house, now it's a weight that's slowing you down from growing in the Lord. Is that fair? Is that fair? So I love it to look out here and see hunters that are here at church and either they already got their deer or they've given up. I'm not sure what's happening with these guys. But it's a blessing to see these guys in the room. Isn't that a good thing? Do you follow what I'm saying? Not a thing in the world wrong with hunting. As a matter of fact, that's a very good thing. It's a, it's a profitable thing. It's, it's very good. Um, but if it gets in the way of serving God, now it's a weight. 
All right, and that's just one example. We could give any number of examples, cars or golf or, or whatever, deep-sea Romanian folk dancing, whatever it is that you're into. It, just anything that you give yourself too much to, it becomes a weight. There's a difference between weight and sin. They can both slow you down, stop you from serving God. So some things we need to let go of. We need to let go of fear. We need to let go of human, human solutions. We need to get let go of things. And then bad ideas. Look at verse 29, bad ideas. Then fearing, lest we should have fallen upon the rocks. They, sorry, we're back in Acts 27 again. Verse 29. Then lest fearing that they should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. Two things, all right? Two things. Human solutions and bad ideas aren't going to help you get to shore, all right? Is casting out four anchors going to help you get to the shore? No, no. Is wishing it would be over, is that going to help you get it done? How many of you ever wished for something and it never happened, right? Man, a bunch of liars out there. It's like six people raised their hands. How many of you have wished for something and it never happened? You see, we, and that's part of maturity, part of growing up is realizing that wishing things to be better does not make them better, right? You can't become what you need to be by remaining what you are. Good thoughts and happy thoughts do not change things. You have to look at it seriously, objectively, through the light of the Word of God, and then do what God says. And then when you don't have any idea what to do, trust Him, believe Him. Fear God, not the storm. Humans, solutions, and bad ideas ruin people's lives. My favorite bad idea from the government is you borrow money to get out of debt. It's crazy. It's just absolute silliness. You've got to take your brain out and play with it to think like that. That's what the world is. These are the ideas of the world. Um, I told the class this morning, I was watching Fox News this morning and had a debate over Nancy Pelosi. And, you know, half of the panel was saying, well, we need a woman leadership, the Democrats. We need women and female leadership. And this other lady said to to these folks, said, I don't understand the Democratic Party. One minute they tell us there's no such thing as gender, then they tell us we need female leadership. I loved that. I had revival there in my living room watching Fox (laughs) News this morning. Because those ideas, these ideas that the world is imposing on us, they are so completely foolish. Uh, California just printed the first non-gender specific birth certificate. So you don't have to assign gender to your child when they're born. These people are idiots, man. You, you, you want to see something that will destroy a child? Confuse them about gender. And these are the people that say that we don't believe in science. Human ideas worldly, satanic ideas will not help you get through the storm. Right? Getting drunk is not going to help you. Taking drugs to deal with your problems is not going to help you. Now, let me qualify that. There's sometimes when I want to get drunk. No, I'm kidding. That's not, the, that's not the truth. If the doctor prescribes you medication for, because of depression or because of some other issues, take the medication. Right? There's nothing wrong with taking medication for those things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about self-medicating. I'm talking about trying to remove your problems through some kind of drug. The only thing that's going to take care of your problems is the Lord Jesus Christ and you changing your behavior by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is vital to it, human solutions to your problems. You've got to let go of these human solutions. The view is not where you find your answers for life. Okay? It's like when Hillary Clinton said that it takes a village to raise a child. Somebody said, yeah, the village idiot. 
<laughs> the village will raise the village idiot. All right, so bad ideas. And then sometimes you've got to leave your comfort zone. You've got to leave your comfort zone. Look at verse um, 41. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and, the re and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped, I love this, all safe to land. Man, those soldiers were afraid that they were going to lose everything. And so they were going to kill all the people. The other folks, even those who couldn't swim, they thought, I'd rather stay with the ship. I, I, I can't do this. You have to leave your comfort zone to do what God wants you to do. You have to leave that. You know, sometimes it's a comfortable job and you know God wants you to do something else. Sometimes it's God wants you to speak to someone about the Lord and that's not comfortable for you to do. Or you might have to pay a price if you do that. It might be a, you're a family member and you speak the Word of God to them and you know it's going to cause trouble. It might cause trouble, but God might use it to do something special in their lives. How many of you are glad somebody told you about Jesus? That's our job. Sometimes to make it to shore, you've got to leave your comfort zone. So things to let go of, fear, human solutions, things, ideas, and then your comfort zone. And there are some things that we need to hold on to. We've already looked at one of them. Look at verse 25, and this is the word of God. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Look at verse 31. Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Now, this is stretching the text, but it's a true statement. There's only one way to be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. If you get in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. If you don't want to get in Jesus Christ, you can't be saved. That's it. That's it. Things to hold on to. The Word of God and then the plan of God. Look at verse 40. The plan of God. And when they had taken up the anchors, look at this, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail and the wind uh, to the wind and made toward shore. At some point, once you find out God's plan, you've got to give yourself completely to it. Give yourself completely to it. The halfway stuff doesn't work. Give yourself completely to it. Some things you need to hold on to. The Word of God, the plan of God, and then just trust God's provision. Look at verse 33. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting and have taken nothing. It was time to eat. It was time to eat. It was time to take provision. And you know why God wanted them to do that? Because they were about to go through something very difficult and, for very, and very hard. Trust God's Provision. Verse 34. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat. That's my favorite PETA verse. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, and there shall not any hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Praise God. Take, trust God's provision. Give thanks. I like this. Give thanks before you reach the shore. 
Give thanks before you're out of the storm because God's going to deliver you. Give thanks before you reach the store, the shore. You know, the only reason that believers have needs is so they can be driven to the Savior, be driven to the one who can provide things. All right, things to let go of, things to hold on to, the Word of God, the plan of God, and God's provision. And then, folks, this is it. You ready? There's some things that have to be broken in our lives. There's some things that have to be broken. Victory is never obtained without brokenness. Verse 40, And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail and uh, to the wind and made toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the forepart struck, stuck fast and, the re- and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of of the waves. You know, it's interesting. In order to be saved, you have to be in Jesus Christ. Is that right? But Jesus Christ, His body had to be broken for us. It had to be broken. And you know, there's some things in our lives that need to be broken before we can make it to shore. We've got to get rid of our self-reliance. We have to get rid of our worldly ideas. We have to get rid of our pride. We have to get rid of our fear and anxiety. And we need to rest and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Brokenness before the Lord. Brokenness before the Lord. And I can tell you, if you've never experienced that, it's the greatest thing that you'll ever do. When you get on your face and you say, Lord, I'm giving up my desires. I'm giving up my plans. I'm yielding it all completely to you. When you do that, it is amazing, the freedom and the liberty. That doesn't mean that your career is going to change. It doesn't mean that your situation will change. What it means is that you're giving up control of that completely to the Lord. It reminds me of the lady. She was afraid to fly and just freaking out. They, get, they went into a storm and the, the plane's being tossed all over the place and it's jerking around. And every time the plane moves, she's freaking out. And she looks over at this lady next to her and it was before you know 9-11. She's got her knitting needle. She's just knitting. And she looks at her and she said, why aren't you scared? She looked over and said, I can't fly this plane. You see, when we think we're driving it, when we think we're in control of everything, when we think that we have a say in it, when things don't go right, then we get really messed up. But when we realize that we trust the captain and he is the Savior, our Lord, and he's the captain of our salvation, the author and finisher of our faith, he's going to help us make it to shore. Amen? Amen. He is going to take us to shore. Most of us will not make it home until our vessel is broken. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Look, we've got to change our focus. We have to realize that all of us are going to ultimately, unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns, 
we are either just going to drop dead or we're going to get sick and die or we're going to be in an accident or whatever. This body is going to go away. This body is going to go away. Amen? Isn't that right? And yet we spend so much of our time thinking about our body. We need to realize that there is an eternity. We need to realize that none of us are going to make it home without this vessel being broken unless the Lord Jesus Christ returns in the rapture. Other than that, none of us are going to make it home. Whatever the latest medicine is to make you live forever, it's not going to happen. Amen? It's not going to happen. The question is, where are you going to go? You see, all of this instruction to help you make it through the storm, it might help you make it through a storm in life and do better as if it's a motivational speech. But if you're not saved, you might make it through this storm and still end up in hell. If you are saved, you can make it through this storm and go to heaven. Which of those is better? Place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because none of us are going to make it out of this thing alive. Life does have an end. And the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Amen? Amen. But if you're in that storm right now, some practical steps to make it to shore. There's some things you need to let go of. There's some things you need to hold on to. Then there's some things you just need to believe. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Your Word is so good.